Let's pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Interesting strategy Jesus has, huh? Instead of relying on people coming to them, he sends people out to the towns. At first glance, one might say, well, of course, that's just good old-fashioned evangelism, right? Got to get out there and get the message out, drop off some flyers, personally invite them to join us at church. But that's not exactly what's happening here, if you were paying close attention. Jesus' followers are not sent out with flyers and hospitality gift bags, gummy bears and coffee mugs. They are instructed to go out with no purse, no bags, no sandals. And what exactly are they promoting? There's no rally back at church. Just convey peace to this house. And if they offer hospitality to you, then stay there and begin a relationship. Work together with them. And while you're there, heal their sick. Sure. There's one more thing the 70 are instructed to do. Declare that the kingdom of God is at hand. Really? Nobody thinks the kingdom of God is right here, right now, do they? Are you kidding? And of course, there is the ending which seems very heavy, <laughs> but only points out there are consequences to one's actions in life. Let's just acknowledge the strangeness of this passage. But as we do, and by the way, how many people here think it is a little strange and kind of hard to understand? You know, I do, and I've studied this quite a bit. But as we acknowledge its strangeness, let's be open to its wonder and its hopefulness as well. And I think you can find that, the wonder and the hopefulness, in a spirit of love that is present here. Namely, that we are not only trying to attract people to us, rather we are called to be attracted to love our neighbor and the people out there and form relationships with them. Let's be open to the two major, major things that we learn here. Firstly, where God is to be found in this world, which happened to be one of Luther's and the Reformation's very foundations. Hint, God's more at home in the world than you think. And second, how God is present in the world, and that would be in relationships, in community, in daily work. Here are uh, two slides that set the stage for today. The first one uh, shows the cozy relationship of a church to its neighborhood, which was true for centuries in the Western world of which we are a part, where the average person out in a neighborhood either included the local church in their life or they were looking for a church. Cozy relationship, right? Where the church 
and the broader community shared the same kind of Christian assumptions and values, and the culture was Christian. They call this the age of Christendom. Doesn't that sound majestic? The community working hand in hand with the local congregation. That began to unravel about 50 years ago, and it has only continued to unravel at ever-increasing speeds. Now the picture looks more like this. The relationship of church and our surrounding world. There's a big chasm. I don't know if you noticed there. In this world of which we're a part, the average person in our neighborhood and world is not looking for a church at all. Many, have, many even have negative feelings uh, about the church, and even more are indifferent. Christian churches are a relic of the past, they might say. Why would I go there? Okay, a little truth-telling. What, then, is our mission in this world and in a neighborhood like this, where there's a chasm? To those who think the answer is to make a godless world come back to us, keep listening. The church is reforming out in the world because that's where God is at work. Can you picture bridges there, maybe, crossing the chasm? What's interesting is that this picture uh, that you see before you could easily be drawn about Jesus' time also when he told the story about the 70. When he was sending those 70, this was not a world friendly to the followers of Jesus. There was a chasm there as well. After all, <laughs> you know, Jesus was put to death as well as some of his followers. Everyone pretty much already had their own local religion and God. So the talk of a savior born to, of lowly parents who loved uh, beggars and prostitutes what was laughable that this was any kind of God you would worship. No surprise, then, that the 70 that Jesus sent out were asked to bear witness to the God who had drawn near to regular folks by declaring repeatedly that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's close. It's here. No, <laughs> no would be the response of most. God resides in the temple or on a mountain somewhere. In short, the kingdom of God is somewhere else. It's not here. This basic idea is very much like what many Christians, frankly, today believe about the kingdom of God. If we could go to the next uh, slide there. This shows what many church people think our mission is. Make sure people have a ticket to the off-planet kingdom of God. Not anywhere near you know, my stupid world where my neighbor's too loud, I can't get the weeds out of my garden, and people don't respect the flag and religion anymore. It's for this reason that some of our more evangelical brethren believe that it doesn't matter what happens to the earth as a result of climate change, because all that matters is getting to heaven, to the off-planet place, the next life, so to speak. Okay, 
Then, back to Luke 10, we learn in Luke 10 that God is quite active, in fact, in this flawed world. How do you think the harvest came to be so plentiful? Seeds have already been planted. Growth has already occurred in fields and in human hearts. That's God's work. God's at work out there. Or consider the 70 who are supposed to find people of peace. How do they find people who already have this peace of God? Again, God is already present and at work in the world. There are people of peace there. God is at work in the world. 1,500 years later, Luther said that God wears masks. There's a good image for Halloween coming up. That God is hiding in the world, at work in the world through our neighbor. Again, uh, many said then and would say now that the world is, the world's lost and that God has, has given it up. Luther didn't believe that and we don't believe that. When a farmer is harvesting crops, God is making it happen. When a teacher is teaching second graders, God is at work. When legislators are passing laws for the common good, I know, that's fictitious. That doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> they don't actually pass. God is at work. When scientists are seeking a better understanding of the created world, God is at work. So too is God at work in grandparents, artists, and stockbrokers. So God cannot simply decide what to be for Halloween because God has so many masks to choose from. God is hiding in our lives with our neighbors. God is loose in the neighborhood and calling us to join him there by finding people of peace with whom we can form community, do good work together for the common good, and join together to find hope. Jesus didn't wait for people to come to him. Remember, he had no place to lay his head. He was on the move visiting places and people that religious people weren't supposed to visit. And almost without fail, he found more faith in those people than he did among the established churchgoers of Judaism at that time. So why would we ever think that church is in one place when God is out there, loose in the neighborhood, calling us to partner with him? So Luke 10 is about where we find God. We know we find God here. God is every bit as much out there. But Luke 10 is also about how it is that we reform in this ongoing reformation. Namely, by bringing people together in life-giving relationships, in community. One of Luther's great contributions is reminding us that God comes to us through each other in caring relationships. Think of a person in your life in whom you've seen God at work, in your relationship with that person. Can you think of that person? Go ahead and do that now. in the way that they treat you and listen to you. 
God is present. One might ask why the 70 don't move about more from house to house. They've got people to reach, right? Why stay too long in, in one place? Well, it's about forming authentic relationships that are not rushed. Don't try to save the whole neighborhood. Get to know one family better, or just a few. In a word, in a word, love. You maybe saw that uh, posted on, on Facebook this week. That love thy neighbor thing, I meant that. God, love your neighbor, and that means listen to them. Then listen some more to their story, to their struggles, to their hopes. One church set up a listening post in the neighborhood, and their only purpose was to listen. As your local church, what do you want to tell us? What do you want to ask of us? What do you want us to be? How can we help you in your life? And all they did was listen. What if we did that somehow, some way? Imagine a church that listened to who our neighbors were. They might feel that we actually loved them, that we cared about their story, and not only about ours. It's as though these folks being sent out, the 70, you and me, are trying to find where God wants them to be, to find the people that they need to meet. The truth is, whether they're Christians, Buddhists, or agnostics, doesn't matter. The whole thing grows out of relationships, community, and God is at work through our neighbor, whoever he or she is. Now, we're already good at here, and most churches are, I think, at, at charity and send, sending money and things to people, and that's important. But at the moment, we're not as effective at forming community with our neighbors. We don't know who they are in many cases and ways. The neighborhood's changed. And what about this whole thing in Luke 10 about being sent out without a plan, without a gift bag or, or anything? Maybe we have to discover who God wants us to work with out there. Maybe we have to discover that hospitality is as much about receiving as it is about giving. When we are the receivers, you see, we're not in control. There is required then a new kind of openness. This is critical for us to be in mission now. Mount Carmel was put here in this neighborhood because God has a mission in this neighborhood. If we learn how to form community with the folks of this neighborhood, then this congregation has a future here. If we function like a club where we expect everyone to come to us and be like us, sadly, we have no future. And hence, a reformation is necessary. Fortunately for us, as Luther and others have made clear, God is present and deeply at work in the neighborhood and in us. And we have a journey ahead of us, one where we don't need to have all the answers. 
but we can listen and learn, but where we definitely need to be present in new ways. One of the really cool things about our situation now is that there are uh, two groups from our community out there who are already in our building, but who we don't connect with as much as we might. We can uh, reach out in the neighborhood and build community without even, without even leaving the building. Do you know who I'm speaking of? Casa, one. What's that? Yeah, child care parents. Yeah, they're, they're here every day. How might we form community and listen to them more? Maybe eventually share stories, eat together, play together. Over the next few months, I will be looking for a group of people here, be thinking about this, I'm planting seeds now, who want to explore and experiment with being present in the community in new ways, listening, observing, looking for people of peace. Might you be interested? You know someone who might be. In the meantime, you might want to get a group of church folk and meet regularly in the coffee shop or Parkway Pizza. When you hang around a place and become a presence there, eventually you become a part of that place and people ask questions and relationships form. And who knows what happens next? Maybe Luke 10 happens. Amen.